right. Welcome to another episode of the Back Bar Podcast. We're played in there by Tom McGuire and the Brassholes. Check them out on any of the local streaming. I don't know if they're local, but uh, they're pretty much worldwide. <laughs> Spot, Spotify. <laughs> yeah, that's, like, that's, lo- that's in Paisley, right? Spotify yeah. local. <laughs> Is that yeah. like a fucking small version of Spotify, like Tesco Metro? <laughs> So by anyway, the way, Tom's they, got his new music out as well. Remember? They've got to got just you shut the fuck so. up and don't <laughs> fucking jump on my fucking bandwagon. So yes, as Martin Mini James was saying there, the Tom McGuire and the Brussels have some new music coming out. So make sure you get on top of that and listen and do some downloading. Um, so anyway, I am joined by the usual trio. We have myself, Ali Skywalker. Um, we have. Martin, Mini James, Hello. and the one and only John. The one and only. Thanks very much, mate. The one and only. You say I, that, I, but you've you got another. The only you, John Gemmel that I know. I, I was going to say, you've got another pal called John Gemmel, so it's a bit strange. You call me the one and only. Out of all the John Gemmels that Skywalker knows, you're in the top two. So, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> he's that. never disclosed what position you're in the top two, though. That's it, I know. And uh, you couldn't be. Is that some screaming more... girls in the background? Sorry, that's, it, that's my fan club there. Again. Girls, no. go away. Shoot. <laughs> not, not now, I'm recording. Oh, no. So the back, the back bar groupies. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's, that's awkward. That, that was awkward. Sorry about that. that. Sorry, we have some groupies that are yeah. uh, hij- hijacking the episode. But <laughs> so we have uh, a special guest that we reached out to and we managed to get on to the, the back bar podcast. And we will be joined now by Nate Boyer. I've always wanted to say this. He's a true American hero. A CV like no other. He's a US Army Green Beret. I'm not 100% sure what that is, but I like the sound of it. He's involved in multiple charities. He also played football for the Seattle Seahawks and dabbled in the movie business. Welcome, Nate Boyer. Welcome. Welcome, Thanks for joining us. If Manny's talking too fast, you don't understand his accent. Just yeah, yeah. slow yeah. down as well. I'm going to do my best to slow down because I, I struggle to have these guys understand me. So I'm hoping <laughs> we don't have the same problem here. So we'll see. But I like how you're drinking water and everyone else is sitting with a wee beer, like, you know, healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be drinking beer later. Don't worry. Uh, so yeah, that's it. It's still midday for him. Yeah, yeah, we're six hours ahead. We've all, we've all uh, yeah, clocked off for the six day. hours ahead, and we're in full lockdown, so we've not left the house for so long <laughs> that true. the day becomes night anyway. So yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, Nick, uh, sorry, Nick, Nate. <laughs> oh, good start. Good start. Sorry about that. <laughs> Nate, I've got a, a quick question for you before I hand you over to John. You went into the army for six years, and then you went into college. That has to be the most genius thing I've ever heard in my life. So you go to the army, you get your army body, nice army rips, probably pick up a few war stories along the way. <laughs> Must have been a bit of a hit with the ladies on campus. <laughs> yeah, that was the plan all along. <laughs> no, uh, I, mean, I, I, uh, I actually didn't even join the army until I was like 23. Um, so by the time I got to college, I was 29. And... Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. I mean, um, I think so. You walk around campus and people definitely recognize, notice that you're an older guy, and so yeah. I definitely got those looks from time to time. But um, I think the football thing helped once I was playing football, and um, you know, and this, the story sort of circulated a little bit, and so um, it was a little more normal and less awkward for me. At that point, and uh, yeah, so did you have you know? did you have to dress dress age appropriate and have your bandanas on and all the rest of it just to try and blend in? 
<laughs> you know, I've kind of dressed the same since I was like in third grade. So. <laughs> There's not a lot of change there. Pretty much baseball cap, usually, not always. Uh, big T-shirt guy with, you know, with some kind of a print on it and uh, jeans or basketball shorts. So it's pretty much the same. Sweatpants maybe even. Um, yeah. yeah, it was easy. College is easy, like at least going to class because people don't really dress up, at least in the States. They just kind of yeah, wear yeah. whatever comfortable. Pretty similar over That's here, cool. I think, yeah. Yeah, um, sounds, sounds cool anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I guess, like, touching on what Ali said there, it is a hell of a CV when you look, like, obviously, before you come on and do a bit of research on what you've done. You've gone into the Army, become a Green Beret, you've served six years there, various tours, then you've gone back, back home, back to college, played football, walk-on, football player um, then gone from there and become like a, a NFL rookie in your early to mid 30s and then after that you've kind of broken into getting involved in the Hollywood business and then I came across the, the really surprising bit of information when you put that all together that you've only just turned 40 at the start of this year and I, a busy couple of years yeah myself <laughs> myself and Ali turned 40 next year and as soon as I saw that I was like shit we need to get our finger out our asses and do something <laughs> I'm not till well, December though I'm not till December <laughs> though so oh yeah you're the end of the year whatever but still next year <laughs> but um, yeah I mean we've also sort of touched on already there um, joining the army and the Green Beret stuff and you're saying you did that in your early 20s and from what I was reading, and uh, in fact, the first time I came across your story was um, when you were a guest on the Pat McAfee show. Oh, yeah. So I was re-listening to that this week as a bit of homework. And um, <laughs> So you were saying on there that you were doing kind of, you were in LA, bouncing around kind of odd jobs. Then you went and did some traveling, ended up volunteering out in Sudan. And then you've gone from that to joining the army, getting into... Or passing all the tests, etc., to become a Green Beret, and the kind of volunteering in Sudan and becoming a Green Beret, they seem, on the face of it, to people like us, completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, yeah. I mean, what took you from one to the other? Yeah, you know, when I went out to the Darfur, um, I, you know, I'd been living in Southern California for about four years after high school. Right. I worked all kinds of odd jobs, uh, from fishing boat to uh, you know, bicycle taxis to, you know, being a messenger for the studios, like a courier for the, oh, okay. for the for movie studios and stuff like that. And um, I helped, uh, I'd help, I'd help uh, work with autistic kids, um, right. kid, you know, with autism and, and uh, help them make friends and like learn sports and stuff like that. So it was sort of like a big okay. brother in a way, yeah. all kinds of different stuff. Um, but I just didn't feel and also at that time, you know, it was like all my high school friends were kind of graduating college and yeah. moving on into a career with their lives. And I was just like, not really sure what I was going to do or who I was. And 9-11 and had happened a couple of years prior uh, when I was 20. So that definitely got me thinking about the military, but okay. still didn't feel like it was the right timing. And so I ended up uh, volunteering in the Darfur because I just wanted to, I'd been traveling a bit and I wanted to travel with a bit more of a purpose. And I read this Time Magazine article about how they were so understaffed at these refugee camps along the Sudan and uh, Sudanese and Chadian border. And so I called and tried to 
you know, get on as a, a volunteer. And all of them told me that because I, I didn't have a college degree or any special skills, there, there wouldn't be a good opportunity to volunteer. And oh, really? Wow. I just didn't want to accept no for an answer. So I flew <laughs> myself over there and kind of figured it out when I got there. And I kind of just <laughs> talked my way onto a UN flight and got out to the refugee camp. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's that was like 19 uh, years old sort of thing. 19, What's that? Had like 19, 20 years old, you did that. I was 20, I was like 23 when I did that. I was right before I joined the army. I've done all those other jobs since I was 19 and right. kind of just part it's, it's, cra it's crazy though that you're, you're trying to volunteer to go and help, you know, but you're being refused the opportunity to help someone. That just seems bizarre to me. Like, yeah, yeah. Crazy. I mean, I, I somewhat, I mean, I definitely understand screening people. Like, I get that. Oh, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? But at the same time, it was just like, they were telling me there was no way, there was just no way. And I was like, that's not, there's no way that, mm. there's no way. <laughs> and, uh, and so, yeah, once I got there, I mean, I, I received a little bit of friction as I was trying to make my way out there, but most people were, especially the local people, they were like mm. grateful to have somebody. Also an American because, um, you know, they had Doctors Without Borders and Child, uh, uh, Catholic Relief Services and Child Fund and a lot of volunteers um, from French-speaking countries uh, because down there uh, French is the you know those were, those were those were colonized by the French and so French is uh, one of the most common languages yeah sure. and so when they met somebody from America because I mean you guys know like there's this mystique and this this because of Hollywood a lot of it's because of yeah, Hollywood but sure. there's also yeah. like this you know, the idea of the American dream and like all these things, which aren't necessarily the full truth, but <laughs> you know, there is uh, it is a great place. I love this country. I think I, I, I you know, definitely um, I, I, I personally, I'm, I'm so proud to, to have been born here and love this place despite all our shortcomings, which are many. Um, but people in places like that, you know, they look at a, a country like America and they're just like, oh my gosh, like opportunity, you know, is the yeah, first thing. Yeah. Uh, um, relative freedom and just very different from what they're accustomed to it. You know, there's, yes, oppression exists everywhere in the world, but it's very, it's it's a lot uh, deeper and stronger in certain places than others. And this is one of those places where- Yeah, it's kind of all very, relative to, for them comparing what they've got going on to America, yeah. just a million miles away. And Exactly. So like they- those people were so grateful and and uh that's one was one of the biggest things that sort of instilled my patriotism was just how much they looked up to us and even me regardless of the fact that i, I didn't have much to offer like i was out there helping but mm -hmm. I, I i didn't have any special skills i wasn't anybody special but they were like they were so enamored with this idea that i would leave what i had to come help them you know they thought yeah. that was so, so cool and so then I, I, I just was like, man, I want to fight for people like this. And uh, my last week in, in, uh, in country, I actually got malaria. And this family took me in, put me up, like wouldn't let me give them a dollar. And uh, they put this little radio in the room and they had a Bob Marley cassette tape in it, which I listened to a bunch. And then I got <laughs> sick of Bob Marley. So I started flipping through the stations and the only uh, radio station that came up was the BBC. And so I was listening to like a play-by-play -play of the Second Battle of Fallujah on BBC Radio, and it was talking about you know these Marines that were over there um, risking their lives. And I just made the decision right there. I was like, when I go home, I'm going to join the military. And then right. when I came back to the states, I found out about 
the Army Special Forces, uh, who are the, the Green Berets and what they do. And um, it just kind of, the, the motto for the Green Berets is De Oppresso Libera, which means to free the oppressed. And okay. it just sort of lined up with everything that I felt like I wanted to be. And so I, I signed up for that and was fortunate to make it through all the training and, and earn my Green Beret. It sounds like too fair from from the way you went about getting onto the the volunteer camps in Sudan and then getting through the Green Beret training that you've you've got that kind of innate um, attitude of if I if I'm setting my mind to something I'm getting there and I'm not going to yeah, be stopped. I, I think for I, I definitely do I, by any means necessary. I think I'm I think because of sports growing up, you know. Um, I learned how to be a teammate. I learned how to um, have a bit of a, a work ethic and that, you know, physical pain is, is it's a real thing, but like you get over it, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but then I just, I think because of probably my insecurity or feeling like when I was a kid, feeling like I wasn't, um, I wasn't very good at things. And then okay. being in my early 20s and feeling like I'm behind the power curve here. I think all those things fueled me because I just thought I had to work that much harder than everybody else because I'm yeah. not as good as everybody else. And so I did work that much harder. I think some people, unfortunately, they get those thoughts in their head and that just makes them want to quit because they're like, well, what's the point? I'm not ever going to be as yeah, good as true. that guy. Yeah. And I'm like yeah. the opposite. I'm just like, I'm going to, maybe I won't be as good as that guy, but I'm going to work my ass off to do the best that I can. Oftentimes, you know, you, you propel past other people because of how much time you're putting in. I mean, mm. talent, talent only gets you so far, you know, and, and, and smarts and yeah. um, toughness and all these things that you're maybe born with a little bit. I don't know if you're born with toughness, but anyway, all those <laughs> things that you're born with that you can't really control, they only get you so far. It's really how much time you're willing to sacrifice and commit to something and how hard you're willing to work. That's what gets you where, yeah, you, want, where you want to be. Because I guess what we... um. We'd sort of touched on lightly was um, obviously after your your time in the army, you went back to college at University of Texas, and you made the American football team as a walk on. So again, not a thing a lot of people manage to do, and especially I believe you hadn't actually played like proper football in high school. You hadn't been part of the high school team that kind of thing. That yeah, you, no, you I, just I took never, took it up kind of late in life and. Yeah, I, uh, I played baseball, basketball, soccer, well, you know, football. football. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, all these other things. And I was always like good at them, but not great. I was never like the best guy on the team. I just often like worked hard and mm -hmm. would hustle. And, you know, I, had, I always had good endurance. Um, but I never played football because when I was really young, my mom didn't want me to play. She was worried about the injuries and stuff like that. My dad played football and wrestled and he had a bunch of, uh, well, not a bunch, but he had, you know, he had some injuries. And and, uh, and then when I was old enough to make the decision for myself, if I wanted to play, um, I think that was back to that insecurity. I just was like, well, I put so much time into baseball and basketball and uh, these other kids, they've been playing since they were like eight years old. I'm never going to catch up to them. Like, mm. I don't want to ride the bench and look stupid. So I just didn't do it. And I regretted it because football was my favorite sport. You know, I, I, I watched growing up, watched the 49ers and they won five Super Bowls through my childhood, you know, and uh, I always wanted to be a part of something like that. And so yeah. 
just I didn't do it. And then it, it's that that regret in a you know maybe a childish way sort of stuck with me all through my twenties until I finally decided to go back to college. And I was like, man, I'm I'm gonna at least try try out for the team. If I don't make it, the worst that happens is I still get to go to college yeah. and have a good time. You know, mm, exactly. so it's a bonus yeah. rather than yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And that was the one thing because we, we were talking about this the other day. The position you played was um, long snapper. I don't think any of us realised because we all watch NFL and stuff, but I don't think any of us realised quite how specialised American football is. That there is a position purely for snapping the ball on punts and field goals. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I honestly didn't know either. <laughs> honestly, I'll be honest. Even I, re- I was doing my research and I seen that you were a long snapper. I thought that was na- the name of the team that you played for was like <laughs> Texas Long Snappers or something. <laughs> it was only until we actually read it. And I was like, oh, hey, this is a, were you, a were, you like, were you looking for like a crocodile as a mascot? Or something? Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was looking for a new hat. I was going to get a long snapper's hat. That's what I was, I was looking for, man. But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I didn't know. I just assumed. I mean, I know on every, you know, on every, how you start every play is, except for kickoffs, is somebody snaps it between their legs. So I just assume the center who who hikes it to the quarterback, I assume the center just snapped it further (laughs) or longer (laughs) or the, you know, or the holder for a field goal or extra point. I didn't know there was like another person that came on the field to do that. I mean, that's all that they do, you know. And, uh, it's true though. There, it's it's interesting. There's no backups. There's only 32 in the NFL, one on every team, and they don't have a backup because they don't have enough roster spots to have mm-hmm. a backup. You know, so they, yeah, there's yeah, only yeah. somebody else on the team that can do it, but probably not as well. So if that player were to get hurt in the game, that other person would come in and finish the game out. But yeah, I I, uh, I walked on as a defensive back first. I just wasn't fast enough um, to keep up with the receivers. Like I never. Right. As hard as I worked, I, I, I made the team, you know, but I was going to be more of a on the practice squad and maybe get to play. I got to run down on a kickoff one time, you know, and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, well, how can I – what jobs require a little less, less athleticism? <laughs> <laughs> so, but also, like, the, the, what are thank, what's a, the long snapping is, like, the most thankless job on the field because it is specialized. It's hard to master that and figure out right. how to, okay. you know, Get that good spiral with keeping velocity and being accurate and consistent. And then you have to come up and block a little bit before you run down and try to, you know, make a tackle. Um, but you don't have to be a great athlete. You just have to be very good at like those five things. You know what I mean? And yeah. you only play about 10 to 15 plays a game. So uh, you're not even, you're not out there that much. Um, and then and- you still get to tell everyone that you're part of the team. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> Put the jacket on, look cool. Cheerleaders over there, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, it worked out. I spent I spent months just messing around with it at first until I got relatively okay at it, and then um, before this my sophomore year in the training camp, I was competing for the position, and I moved my way all the way up to the backup uh, snapper, and then the first game of the season, the starting snapper had a bad game. He had a couple of bad snaps and they gave me a shot the next week and I just, I did good and, and That's you. Yeah. did it for 38 straight games after that over three years. Sweet, man. That's amazing. That's cool. Hard work paying off there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. And then, um, I guess from there, again, another going from being a kind of older than average walk-on player in university, you then became a 34-year-old 
NFL rookie with the Seahawks. Yep. And um, I mean, that must have been just incredible. I mean, at 34, I guess most yeah. guys in the NFL are probably retired or retiring, and there you are well, walking yeah, in for I your first to, day. There's 53 people on the roster. Um, and during training camp, there's more than that. But um, when I got to the team at 34, I was the oldest guy on the team as a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, for the first year. Yeah, which is funny. So, yeah, and I, I think in the – I guess in the modern era, I'm the, the oldest rookie in NFL history. Um, I'm not sure oh. what the modern era means. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Maybe back I'm, – I'm assuming that means back in the day before the Super Bowls. Um, yeah, there's probably yeah. some older players, you know. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but that's interesting. But yeah, it was uh, still a pretty cool thing to be able to yeah, see. It was great to get the opportunity <laughs> to get a chance. You know, I played in one game and it was pretty amazing. You know, to see yeah. I, cool. I mean, even that with the amount of um, the amount of players that start off playing American football, high school, then that number cuts down to college, and then I think it's I can't remember what I read. It's some tiny percentage of college players that actually make it to the NFL. So to have yeah. even made it, and for the guys yeah, who even just play one snap is incredible. Yeah. Um, Especially with such an unconventional route to yeah, you know, yeah, NFL, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's um, like he done everything backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Cool. I guess with your, your actual playing time in the NFL, like you've said, was short, but your your impact on the NFL was probably greater after your playing days. Obviously, you were involved with um, the actions Colin Kaepernick and taking a knee in the anthem. I mean, how did all that come about, getting involved with, like, meeting with Kaepernick and yeah. giving the advice there? Well, first, I'd honestly like to hear, just because I haven't heard it much, from um, from you guys' perspective, like, how, how was that information uh, relayed to, to the UK? Like, how, how, how did people... Because everybody receives it differently, yeah. of course, but how did that... How was it? Uh, how did the news sort of cover that? Well, I mean, see over here. I mean, American football. I would say, unless you're really into it, there's not really much coverage whatsoever. I think right. it was maybe raised more as a, there's something different has happened, and obviously with the ramifications. But I think it was more down to the reactions of mm -hmm. certain individuals that was broadcast rather than mm. the action itself. Um, so obviously, you had you know Donald Trump coming out and kind of criticizing and things like that. And I think from our perspective over here that's probably where most of the media attention came from. So mm -hmm. I think maybe, yeah, yeah. and looking back now, I think maybe part of the message was actually lost. It was more about the reaction to what happened rather than what the, the reason behind it and, you know, what that actually stood for rather than anything else. I think the other thing was, like, British people, they're... I suppose they are, they are patriotic, but not in the same way as that mm -hmm. Americans who don't play the national anthem before every single game and, and things like that. And they don't yeah. you know, do all that and stand. And so when, when he started taking the knee, probably we didn't think that that was disrespectful in any way. We just kind of seen it was a protest to, to certain things. So when there was so much hype on the, you know, him being disrespectful, that was, and he said he was obviously trying to put a point. Was it the police brutality? I think he was he was protesting against. Yeah, uh, yeah it was. It wasn't quite understood as much like why it was so disrespectful. I think, yeah, and, un unless you kind of made an effort to read into it, mm -hmm. you just kind of got these kind of hype headlines that players were taking a knee, and it was all made into. I guess it was spun over here as just being a purely a race issue, mm -hmm. as opposed to that was. I guess that was at the root of it, but it was all mm -hmm. about the kind of I guess police brutality, social injustice, but mm -hmm. it never really got portrayed in that way. A lot of the <laughs> message got lost, I think. Mm. Yeah. 
interesting. Yeah. So it was, you know, it was 2016. Um, we just got through this year. We just got through another pretty divisive election, but I think that one was even more divisive. Mm-hmm. It felt that way anyway, because it was, you know, it was Hillary, Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. And, mm-hmm. um, it was uh, September, late, late August or early September. I can't remember which, but right around that time frame, the end of the, the NFL preseason, about to start the regular season. So Colin had already sat on the bench for a couple of games um, during the anthem. And he was asked by a reporter after the second time he did it, they're like, why are you sitting on the bench during the anthem? And he said, I'm not going to stand for the flag of a country that oppresses black people and people of color. And that was like, whoa, everybody was like, what? Hmm. So there was this extended interview in the locker room um, after the game with Colin. And he, it's like an 18 minute long interview. I'd actually encourage people to, look it up and kind of hear it because that's the, to me, that's the best, no offense to Colin, but that was the most like sort of raw and human interview he's given. He hasn't really given very many interviews since then. And now he's become, you know, more of a sort of a, you know, a leader and a figurehead and somebody that um, people rally around, which is great. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but for those people that don't really understand why he was doing it, what his message is, and they want to hear from him, um, and this is a, that's a good way to do it. I mean, it's four and a half years ago, but mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a good interview. Um, okay. So I, uh, I got reached out to by a few different publications and uh, also like CNN and Fox news and MSNBC. They wanted me to either write an opinion piece or come on their show and probably argue with somebody else about why he's right or why he's wrong. And, you know, yeah, yeah. just like what the news sort of does. And we're already in these very divisive times. And uh, I just said, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to participate in that. It's not going to help anything. I don't think it'll change anything. So I eventually agreed to write this open letter to Colin through the Army Times, which is a small, you know, military publication not many people read. And they said I could write whatever I want. And I wrote it as an open letter to Colin and as if I had five minutes with him in the room, mm-hmm. you know, just describing why I feel the way that I feel, but also trying to understand, you know, from his perspective, where he's coming from. <clears throat> and I put this thing out crazy viral the next day, because I think a lot of people felt that way. They felt like, hey, it's okay to be proud of your country and even like be proud of um, symbols that represent it, but also like listen to other people that don't feel the same way, that have a different experience, you know, and a different relationship to the flag and the anthem and all those things. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I served in the military and, uh, and before I served in the military, you know, I mean, I stood for the anthem and all these things, but I wasn't a super patriotic person. You know, I didn't really, those things didn't mean very much to me. I wouldn't, I would have probably said, what's the big deal, you know, if mm-hmm. it was before the military. So yeah, okay. my time in, you know, the, the, I, I carried caskets draped in American flags uh, with my friends' bodies in them, you know, and hearing the anthem makes me sometimes feel emotional. When I when I stood on the sideline in that one game I played for the Seahawks and the anthem played, I cried, you know. So mm-hmm. it has yeah, an effect. It's very yeah. different, but that's just because of my experiences. So mm-hmm. it's not that's not it doesn't make me right or him mm-hmm. wrong, you know. And uh, so this thing went out there. Colin actually read it, and uh, he said he was inspired by it. So he reached out to me and he wanted to meet. And we ended up sitting down together the next day down in San Diego. They were playing the, at the time it was the San Diego Chargers. Now they're the LA Chargers. Yeah. Um, in the final preseason game. And 
he just, we talked about all the things that I just kind of discussed. And at the end of the conversation, he just asked me, do you think there's another way I can protest that won't offend people in the military? And I told him, there's nothing you can do that won't offend some people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know what to tell you there. Especially but, in this day and age. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Totally. So I said, I, I said, if you're asking my opinion, and I don't speak for anybody but myself, I certainly don't speak for the veteran community or the military, but to me, sitting isn't super inspiring. It just kind of mm. feels like you're back away from everybody and kind of sitting it out, you know? Yeah. Uh, I said, if I, if I would to change anything, it would be that you're alongside your teammates. And if you're committed to not standing, the only option that makes sense is probably taking a knee. And he, he thought that was a good idea. You know, we talked about how, in my opinion, it's not a disrespectful act. I mean, um, people take a knee to pray and propose to their future spouse. And yeah. I mean, somebody gets knighted, they take a knee. They take a knee, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And even in football, like when a player on the field is hurt, the other players often take a knee, take a knee out yeah. of respect until he's carried off. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, when I go to visit Arlington, the cemetery, the, the big military cemetery in uh, uh, Washington, D.C., and, you know, I, I know some people that were buried there. I'll go visit those headstones and I'll take a knee out of respect for those mm -hmm. people as well. So um, it just, he thought it was a good idea. Um, actually, Martin Luther King had uh, protested by taking a knee uh, some in the past as well. And so he did it. That night. I actually stood next to him on the field when it, when it happened. And, you know, there was a bunch of, there was a lot of people booing and upset, but, um, you know, I, I thought it was a powerful gesture. Yeah. It's hard, it's hard to see, like, I mean, we've just kind of touched on some of the, the reasons why people take a knee different occasions. They would do. It's hard to see how people could interpret it as being disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't a, know. it's a strange one. <laughs> But as, as you said, in this day and age, everyone will find a reason to be offended by something. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, Americans seem to make him the bad guy, didn't they? Like uh, they didn't, yeah. rather than looking at what he was trying to achieve and make awareness to, that he just was 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 seen as this this bad guy. And because his career pretty much ended uh, that that season, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he you know, to be fair, he did he opted out of his contract the Niners because he wasn't happy and he didn't want to be there and he wasn't starting at the time he was a backup at the time mm -hmm. um and then the Denver Broncos offered him a contract uh I think for lesser money but uh he probably was going to be the starter and he turned that down okay. and I think he expected more opportunities to arise and they just didn't you know and then as things went on and he ended up suing the NFL it just became yeah. increasingly harder for teams to want to bring that onto their into their locker room not because of Colin but because of the circus that would follow yeah yeah so it, it was a it was a tough one you know and but there's certainly there's probably some teams out there some owners managers that in their mind were like I just disagree fundamentally with what this guy says and does so I'm not going to sign him and that's yeah as wrong as that might be it's also their right to do that I mean it's a business you know yeah, maybe, you can't do much. Maybe and... it's a type of discrimination. I'm not sure exactly. I don't want to get into the total reality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, I know. When it comes to if if they weren't doing it because of his skin color and they were doing it because um, they just don't feel, you know, they don't feel that what he was standing for was right, mm -hmm. then that's their prerogative, I guess. But yeah, it was, it's, still a, it's still a very highly debated issue as well. Yeah, yeah, but I think the only thing from that is, I think now, obviously it was quite isolated into America and NFL and stuff, but we've seen now that even over here for soccer or football, 
all the teams take a knee beforehand, even in rugby. You know, did you ever expect the reach of that one conversation that you had with him to have such a kind of wide reach, you know, worldwide with the kind of impact that it's had? No, I had no clue. I mean, I, you know, we were just having a conversation. I mean, I didn't even know if he would do it. Uh, I just kind of threw it out there, you know. It, I wasn't planning on telling him to do that. <laughs> he just yeah. asked me and I kind of talked for a minute and I said, what about this? Because <laughs> you know? yeah. there was, um, just at the start of February, there was a Scotland-England uh, rugby match and there was a, a big deal in the media in the, the days following that because at the last minute, apparently it hadn't been discussed before the game, but at the last minute, some of the England players took a knee, I think most of them, mm-hmm. and then some of the Scotland players who were standing closer to them kind of saw it and were like, well, we'll take a knee. So he ended up with about four of the Scotland team out of yeah. 15 took a knee, and then there's all these questions of, well, why didn't everyone take a knee? Do some people not show that they've shown that they're, they don't have solidarity with the Black Lives Matter? Yeah, and gone full circle all this. Yeah, yeah. It was... That's a frustrating piece of this whole thing too, because there's a lot of people out there that think now that oh if you stand for the flag with your hand on your heart it means you you don't think black lives matter or if mm. you take a knee you think that you know all cops are bad and yeah it, like, yeah it doesn't have to be that way it's not that way with most people it's just yeah yeah you know you can you, we can be together on this thing work together and just kind of feel differently about um that moment you know what yeah. i mean Hopefully, that, yeah. working towards getting to a place where everybody feels pride in their country. Yeah, I think as well, though, you need to remember that everyone's decision to how they kind of respect the flag or whatever else is a personal choice. So you can't really, yeah. if I want to sit down as my sign of paying respect or someone stands up or kneels, it's not for me to say that what they do is wrong. It's just a different yeah. way of doing it. So, yeah, it's crazy times, though. <laughs> yeah. Crazy times, now. It's been wild, isn't it? Hey, mate, we've actually got another little thing for you as well. May yeah, we're of conscious Martin. of time. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we've got a thing that we do is a speed round. Uh, so it's 10 quick questions. Uh, you just give your short answer, whatever comes to your mind first. Uh, it's easy, don't don't panic or anything like that. So <laughs> it's just think, a bit of fun. Yeah. I think we're, yeah. we're, we're talking to a guy who's been a Green Beret yeah, yeah, college football I think it's not going to panic at 10 quick questions that's <laughs> yeah. it yeah in so. fairness if you're not under more pressure here than you've ever been I'd be surprised <laughs> there's a lot riding in this there's a lot riding in this yeah, um, so. yeah so 10 quick fire um, we'll get cracking someone will count me in please yeah, I'll, I'll go for it, it. Uh, uh, John, you, you fancy? The oh, you do, you're you do. You're, you're, you're so better polite. at counting than me. Oh, is this <laughs> because, because I'm the qualified accountant? I get to do That's the most. Right. Right. <laughs> right, okay, here Sorry. we go. <laughs> you don't need to apologise for us. Right, three, two, one, go. Who would play you in a movie of your life? Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt. Oh, okay. like that, like that. Who is your man crush? Because that means I have a crush on myself. You know, it's George Clooney, man. It's been George Clooney for a long time. Okay. okay. Uh, what's your favorite holiday destination? Holiday destination? Home. Okay. Okay. Who was your favorite WWF wrestler? Oh, uh, that's definitely the Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior, nice. Okay, awesome. who's your favorite superhero? Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool, nice. 
choice. It's a good a one. popular choice, then. Uh, what's one thing that you're really bad at? Oh, boy. Speed rounds. Okay. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, dogs or cats? Dogs. dogs. Good answer. What would your alternative career be? Um, oof. I don't, what is my career? I don't I even know. Right. You're asking Legends. me. It's done lots of jobs. Who would be your famous celebrity woman crush? <sighs> Probably J-Lo. J-Lo. Hey-ho. Okay. And <laughs> what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink? Like alcoholic? Yeah. Well, it's like a protein yeah. shake. <laughs> You're talking to three boys from Scotland, man. That's all we drink. <laughs> I love, I love. I mean, I love, I love scotch, but I love a good bourbon. I'm yeah, gonna, okay. yeah. Uh, that is you. You've completed the speed nice, fast. Nice. <laughs> How did I do? Uh, I'm pretty sure you must be talking to Chris Pratt all of a sudden. Yeah, you gave that answer too easy. Yeah, uh, I, I, so I, I actually know him. Uh, no, all right. Oh, there's a name drop. Charity <laughs> I co-founded, and he's uh, kind of his right-hand man is a good buddy of mine who was a Navy SEAL. And so, okay. yeah, Chris, Chris is a good dude. If you if you want to put in a word with him, see if you come on the pod at some point, we wouldn't be upset. <laughs> the only the one condition is he's not allowed to say his, his uh, favorite man crushes himself either. He's not allowed. He has to say it's me. Yeah, he has to say it's you. <laughs> I think he's he's married to Arnold Schwarzenegger's daughter now, isn't he? Yeah, he is. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a powerful right you, you were in that you were in that film. Is Den of Thieves you were in with Jared Butler as well? Yeah. Yeah. So Jared comes. We, Ali and I both stay in Paisley, which is where he grew up. So technically, we're yeah. kinda, <laughs> we're, we're, buddy, we're buddies yeah, with Jared Butler. Friends. Yeah, that's what we're trying to say. <laughs> we definitely went to the same, you know, bars here. Definitely. So does he not leave Paisley? About, does he leave Paisley about twenty years ago? That's not the point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's not what's it? What's it been like? I guess going from the army, then going through college. NFL to obviously you've been in like I said Den of Thieves and ended up on your IMDB page and there was like like this is us Mayans MC you're a 12 strong what's it been like going from you know what you were doing to breaking into the kind of Hollywood scene it's really hard <laughs> <laughs> it's super competitive man super competitive right. I mean I'm definitely lucky because of my background to uh um, get, get a couple of opportunities and then a couple of other ones you know well most of them I mean I had to audition like everybody else and all that but right, okay. I'm not gonna I'm, I'm sure my background helped with the decision making because pretty much every role I played was either a you know some sort of law enforcement military um, or like a mercenary like bad guy you know or whatever <laughs> they're all like pretty much tactically related it's good. it feels, feels like they're kind of typecasting you yeah, I, yeah, like, hey, I want to. I want to see a. I want to see a Nate Boyer rom com. That's what I want. Yeah, that's, yeah. Opposite Chris Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> that's, awesome. that's cool. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's cool though. I, I actually directed my first movie in uh, September and October. Oh, oh cool. super super low budget. We made it from nothing, but um, but it was great. You know, just to 
try. I was we're in post production yeah. now, so it'll probably be out in a few months. We'll see what happens. So what's yeah. up? How was that with the with all the COVID restrictions? How did that? That was super hard. We had to yeah. People had to get tested three times a week. Um, you had to do you know as best as you could social distancing on set and mm. you know stand, uh, sanitizing everything all the time and um, even like catering was different. You know we just had to have separate everything. It wasn't like you know, you don't go through the catering line and get your food. It's like you can't yeah. share anything. So, yeah. Um, tough. Filmed in Los Angeles and there's free testing all over LA. Oh, so, really? I took advantage really? of that. It saved us a lot. I probably only had to spend, you know, a few thousand dollars on the COVID portion of things, which yeah. could have been way, way worse. Yeah. So. What's, the, what's the film? Is this under wraps or are we allowed to get a wee insight into what you're doing it's based on the genesis of a, a charity that i co-founded called mvp which MVP, stands for emerging yeah. vets and players yep mm -hmm. yeah so it's like it's about a about a, a marine who's living in a homeless shelter in east hollywood and he meets a nfl player his first year out of the league um, who lives in west hollywood in a really nice neighborhood and these two guys meet and on paper they got nothing in common but they're going through all the same stuff as far as that transition and losing the uniform and the team and the identity mm -hmm. And uh, and they help each other through it. So that sounds cool. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. yeah. So when when are you hoping for that to come out? Hopefully, hopefully by uh, we'll see. It depends on if we put it in a film festival or not. Or not. If we don't do the film festival route, hopefully the fall or winter, like during football season. But if we do do a film festival, it just depends on what which one it gets into. And yeah, yeah. I guess that would be a. a a movie that's got a kind of football theme to it would be ideal to come out when football season's full flow. Yeah, kind of ride that wave a little bit. So, what's yeah. your? Um, I guess your, your foundation. You mentioned it there. Was that you formed that with? Is it Jake Laser? Yeah, with Jake Laser. Yeah, I think so we we've is the website. Yeah, we've all we've all seen him on from watching Ballers with The Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what does what's the foundation? Is it? kind of set up to help veterans that are coming out and I guess find yeah. themselves they don't know what situation they're in. Yeah, just... we bring together uh, combat vets and former professional athletes and help them find purpose uh, and identity and service and that team again, that locker room when the uniform comes mm -hmm. off. So it's just like kind of a peer-to-peer -peer support group. Um, and we do things, you know, we work out together, train together. Uh, we encourage vulnerability and people to talk about stuff that we often don't talk about. I mean, it's kind of mm. ingrained in us to suck it up and drive on and not really, you know, let yourself yeah, yeah. grieve or let yourself uh, feel pain or let yourself, out. yeah, just be open. And uh, it's not very healthy. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. something that it doesn't go away if you just kind of stuff it down. You need to like talk about this stuff. Yeah. Yes. Especially when you've been in that. I mean, it's one thing for people just going through normal life, but guys that have been in those kind of yeah. war environment situations, you've seen a hell of a lot more than anyone else sees in their right. their day to day going to an office and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, exactly. yeah, bottling that kind of stuff up can never be can never be good for you. It's not good. So, what comes next then? So, is it going to be down the acting route and the directing route? Is that the the plan? Yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, that's who knows. I will say who knows because when things come up. If it's something that pops up that I'm interested in, I'll probably go chase it for a while. So, yeah, Michael <laughs> Michael Jordan joined the the baseball when he was like 40 or something like that. So maybe that baseball yeah. career is just right in the corner. <laughs> yeah. 
I got to learn to throw a knuckleball. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, is that the name of the team? The Miami Knuckleballs. That's a great name for a team, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I still like the the Miami long snappers. That's got to be a good Lo- one. Miami long snappers. That's. <laughs> I think we need to get we need to get that put in a t shirt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be good. Oh, right. I like good. it. I like it. Um, obviously, I think we we have run over a bit on a bit longer than we had we had planned. Yeah. Good. But, yeah. Thank you so much for for Yeah, on. really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know from from the stuff we've read, I think we've only even scratched the surface of that story, mm. but. Uh, yeah, no, it's brilliant to hear all that. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah. cool stuff. Again, to best yeah, let me know when, you, uh, yeah. when you run it, you know, and post it and tag me and everything, and I'll share it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely will. Uh, definitely will. Appreciate it. Uh, there's de- definitely a couple of stars in the eyes here. Just like just yeah. having, having you on, everyone's <laughs> quite excited about it. It was a big deal, and uh, yeah. obviously, if you ever decide to come over to a pretty cold, bleak country like Scotland, then we'd be more than welcome to. We'd be more than happy to take you about and show you some relatively mediocre times. <laughs> like, <laughs> Man, I've never been. I've been to Ireland, but I've never been to Scotland. So I'd love to go. It's a good yeah. time. Just put yeah. it on the map. You'll have fun. I'm, I'm sure you'll do well again. You know, with the the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the men too. Whatever. You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I knew yeah. you'd start at some point, Alex. Uh, that's the beer kicking in the valley. Now. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I better go before the whiskey kicks in. <laughs> okay, uh, that's awesome. been brilliant, Nate. Ruth. Yeah, thank you so thank much you for much. giving up your time. Yeah. And, really uh, appreciate it. Yeah. Have a great uh, weekend. Yeah. Take care of yourself, mate. Take care, man. See you later on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cool. So thanks for joining us again at the back bar. Um, An absolute privilege to have uh, Nate on. Um, Definitely another man crush to add to the list for the boys. Absolutely. Poster has been ordered. Yep. Absolutely. Legend of a man. (laughs) Um, Looking forward to trying to convince him to come over to Scotland to... Come for a beer or a snuggle, whatever comes first. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, see so, so that he'll have the back bar turning up in Southern California. But hey, Nate. Yeah. Well, I think I think we definitely need to be starting up a, a football team um, with the what's it called the Texas Long Snappers. I think that's uh, that, that's going to be a, that's going to be a uh, thing. Be, uh, that might be the first the... the first bit of a back bar merch. That's it. Or, or we we could start the team, and we definitely know that we're getting in it. You know, so that we, <laughs> so that we, we can't bench ourselves. So yeah, let's uh, let's start up the team, and then we'll shotgun. I'll pl- yeah. I'll play backup quarterback. And we can do that thing where our arms. Like, You're right, benching yourself already. How can yeah, you bench I just yourself? Still say, I, still we just, say I just we just created a team so we didn't have to bench ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and but you go the backup. Quarterback. I just bench myself so I don't have to fucking play, but I can still say I'm quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I'm so that's like... good. So we we had Nate on. We've started a new team. Gemmel's already in the bench. Um, <laughs> Out of choice. Inju- thank injured. You. He's on the injured reserve list. <laughs> oh, just, hasn't it's played a, a game yet. It's an uh, anticipation. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. a self-aware man. Okay. Okay. So listen again. Massive thanks to Nate for joining us. A real pr- pleasure to expand our horizons and uh, hear a mm. bit of a. Uh, his a bit more about his incredible career so far. Um, more to come. Um, he's now our best friend. So, <laughs> um, yeah, listen, uh, we'll catch up with you again soon for our next episode. In the meantime, have a wee look through everything else we've got and hopefully see you all soon. Thanks, guys. Stay safe. Thanks, see everyone. Later. See you. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Are we done? <laughs>